So to begin our message today, I want to ask you, do you ever have times when you struggle to pray? Or is that just me? Do you ever have times when you really just struggle, you don't even know really where to start? Or do you have times where you feel like your prayers are kind of bouncing off the ceiling a little bit? You're praying, but they don't seem to be going anywhere. Perhaps a more uh, modern and appropriate reference. We've all spent a lot of time on video calls over the last couple of years. And so I don't know whether you've had this experience at all where you're talking away on a video call and then someone finally says, um, you're on mute. And you realise you've been talking away, but nothing has been getting through at all. Do you ever have that experience when you're praying? You just feel like you're talking, but nothing is getting through at all. Or sometimes that you just desperately want to pray, but you just don't know where to start at all. You're longing to be able to pray, but you just can't find the words. I think that it is something that all of us struggle with. And as I said, it's certainly something that I struggle with at different times, especially when things are a bit challenging in front of us. When we're going through times of uncertainty, when we're feeling high levels of stress, high levels of anxiety, uh, when we're really wrestling with some things, we can wonder, how do I pray? And so that's the purpose of this series that we're starting today, that we're going to spend the next month talking about some tools that can help us to be able to pray with this amazing library that we've got uh, that's called the Psalms. And for me, Bible verses have been a really, really helpful way to be able to just like, get me started sometimes when I need to pray. I've been reading through Galatians over the last little while, and uh, a couple of weeks ago I came across Galatians chapter 5, verses 1 and 4 and 5 in the Message Translation, and it so jumped out at me. I was like, this is an amazing prayer that I've started to pray on a regular basis. Help me to live creatively. Allow me to make a careful exploration of who I am and the work I've been given and sink myself into that. Teach me to not be impressed with myself or compare myself with others. Help me do the creative best I can with my own life. So sometimes we'll read something and it just jumps out. It's like, oh, that's such helpful language that just enables me to get started. We know that Jesus gave us his model for prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer, and uh, that's a very, very helpful model as well. And I don't think that Jesus ever gave that as something that we're just supposed to learn by rote, although sometimes that can be really, really helpful. Because again, when we're struggling to just find the words, having something that's familiar to us can be really, really great. But I think Jesus gave us that as a model to be able to say, here are some things that you can pray into, particularly when you're struggling. But a key resource that I've found very helpful over the years is the Psalms. And so, as I said, that's what we're going to spend the next few weeks journeying through a number of different Psalms to be able to see whether they're helpful models that can teach us uh, to be able to pray. And I love the Psalms because they are just such real, authentic, raw, permission-giving songs that help us to get in touch with how we're feeling and to express how we're feeling. They're so great because they remind us that we can come to God and be honest and authentic and real. We talk about being a spiritual family and a key component of that is that we want to be a place where we can be our genuine selves, where we can be authentic. We don't have to put on an act. We don't have to pretend to be something that we're not. We can come as we are. And the Psalms remind us that God feels that way about us. He's perfectly fine with that too. Someone once wrote that every human emotion is articulated somewhere in the Psalms. Every single emotion that we go through is articulated somewhere. And so they can be a really, really great place to start when we're not sure how to pray. 
So today we're going to have a look at Psalm 13, and uh, so if you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Psalm 13, and uh, if you did, grab some teaching notes on the way, and I want to encourage you to have those, because you are going to need them as we go through the message, and particularly at the end of the message, uh, to be able to do an exercise that we're going to do. So the background for Psalm 13 is that it is one of the Psalms that David wrote. We know that David is uh, one of the key leaders in the Israelite uh, group as they made their way through the Old Testament. Uh, David, who came from these very humble beginnings as a little shepherd boy, uh, but ended up becoming one of the most powerful kings of Israel. And so we can sometimes fall into the trap because we hear these words like, David was a man after God's own heart which is written about David, and think, well, David must have been like this superstar, amazing, perfect, didn't get anything wrong kind of guy. But if you know anything about David's story, you know that's absolutely not true. David got a lot of things wrong, and he caused a lot of harm, a lot of brokenness to other people as well. He wasn't perfect, but I think a part of the reason why God said, this is a man after my own heart, is because David came honestly and vulnerably before God, even when he was going through difficult times, maybe especially when he was going through difficult times and poured himself out before God. And so Psalm 13 is one of the Psalms of lament that David wrote. And a lament is an opportunity to be able to express sorrow or sadness in a very honest and real way. When we talk about expressing lament, that's what we're saying. Something's wrong here. Something's broken here and we want to name it. But lament doesn't leave us in that place. Lament always leads us to a place of hope, where we recognise that God meets us in whatever it is that we're experiencing. God meets us in our sadness. God meets us in our brokenness. God meets us in our despair. Whatever we're feeling, God is with us and God is for us. And interestingly, the Psalms of lament are actually the most common type of psalm. I don't know about you, but whenever I think about the Psalms, I think, well, most of the Psalms are kind of joy-filled praise Psalms that are talking about how awesome and amazing God is. No, actually, the most common type of Psalm that we have are these Psalms of lament. And so we're going to use some of them to be able to recognise what it looks like for us to be able to pray when we're going through difficult times. So I'm going to read the Psalm again. No, Maureen read it at the beginning, but I think it's helpful for us to reread it and then we're going to pull it apart and uh, explore what David says here. So Psalm 13, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? Turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat saying, we've defeated him. Don't let them rejoice and my downfall. But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. There are three different parts of this psalm that David uses that I think are a really helpful model for us. So first of all, in verses one and two, David says, O Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long? Will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You can just sense David pouring himself out to God and saying, God, how long? How much longer do I have to put up with all these things that are going on? 
How long do I have to feel like I've been forgotten by you, that you don't even think about me anymore? How long will you continue to look the other way, which means to hide your face away from me, to remove your presence from me so I can't even sense that you're with me? How long must I struggle with these things to the depths of who I am, anguish and sorrow? How long will it feel like my enemies have got the upper hand? You can sense that David is struggling so much, just pouring himself out. A sense of feeling completely alone, abandoned, forgotten, sorrowful to the depths of who he is. So as we look at this psalm, it's helpful for us to think about what some of our how longs are. And so this is the first thing that I'd love you to consider. And again, if you've got your teaching notes, you might even want to jot something down. What's your how long? For some of us, we might say, how long do I have to continue to feel sick or to struggle with illness or to struggle with pain? How long do I have to continue to feel alone? How long do I have to continue to live with uncertainty? How long do I have to continue to struggle financially? How long is it going to be until I see some progress in the things that I'm investing so much of myself into? It might be relationships, it might be work, it might be projects that we're working on, it might even be what we're doing here together at Brooklyn Park. How long will it be before you answer that prayer that I've been praying for so long? How long will it feel like you're absent? How long, oh Lord? How long? What's your how long as we spend this time together this morning? When the second part of the psalm, David then changes tack. And he says, turn and answer me, O Lord my God. Restore the sparkle to my eyes or I will die. Don't let my enemies gloat, saying we have defeated him. Don't let them rejoice at my downfall. Here again, we can sense David crying out and saying, God, just answer me. Give me something, please. Help me to know what the way forward is. Give me a sense of clarity about what I'm supposed to do. It's this interesting phrase that we've got in the translation that we're using, restore the sparkle to my eyes. Other translations actually say, enlighten me. And that's helpful to think about this reality of the light going on in my eyes. The light going on so that I can see accurately what's in front of me, so that I can see the path forward. That's something that David is craving so much. God, show me where I'm supposed to go. What's the next thing that I'm supposed to do? What's the next step? Show me what needs to happen. So often we can feel that in the midst of the things that we're wrestling with as well. God, just show me what I'm supposed to do. Give me something. Give me some kind of answer. Enlighten me. And it's interesting to recognise that the opposite of light is darkness. And we can sense how much darkness David is experiencing. His sense of feeling defeated. His sense of feeling downcast. Feeling like he's falling down. And what we can recognise is that David's effectively saying, God, don't let me go there. Don't let me give in to the darkness. Don't let me give in to my enemies. Don't let me give in to these perspectives and perceptions that I've got. I don't know whether you've ever had that feeling where you feel so overwhelmed that it feels like your enemies, maybe they're not physical enemies, but that something is just working against you and it's effectively gloating, mocking you about how strong it feels. Feeling completely defeated, just feeling weighed down feeling like you've got nothing left. 
I don't want to go there, God. I don't want to tap into the darkness. So again, I want to encourage you to think about what you might jot down for this part of the psalm. What is it that you're struggling to see? Where is it that you're praying that God would bring light for you? What are you struggling to see clearly? What answers are you searching for or craving? Could be wrestling with questions about the future. Where do I go from here? What happens next? We know that we're processing lots of those questions for us as a church. Could be wrestling with decisions that you're making as a part of your family or with people that you're close with. These big things where you know you've got some important decisions that you need to make. Could be that you're wrestling, God, how do I help people to discover Jesus? How do I help people to discover what I know is so true and yet there's so many people who seem to be missing out? What's the next thing that I need to do? God, help me to understand how I can make a difference in my context, in my circles. What are the things that I can be proactively doing that are actually going to make a difference in people's lives? Or it could just be this sense of feeling overwhelmed. I've got all this stuff in front of me, all these different priorities, all these different things I could be doing. Which one am I supposed to pick? Which one is the most important? God, help me to see clearly. Enlighten me. Give me the answers so that I can move forward. What would you jot down as one thing this morning where you're feeling like you're struggling, you desperately want an answer? Maybe write that down on your page. And then David again changes tack in the last couple of verses. He says, But I trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice because you have rescued me. I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. I love this about David. He gets this point where he said how much he's struggling. He says, but I trust. Even in the midst of all that, I trust. And it's important to recognise that in the time that David's written this out, nothing's changed for him. His situation hasn't changed. His circumstances haven't changed. He hasn't received any answers to these things that he's wrestling with. And yet even then, David says, but I will trust. And what does he say that he'll trust in? God's unfailing love. David stops long enough to remember God's love never changes. No matter what we're going through, no matter what's happening, the way that God feels about us is guaranteed. 100% the same. Always has been and is always going to be. And so because of that, David says, I will sing to the Lord because he is good to me. David stops and you can kind of sense him doing this. He's like, all right, just switch that off for a minute. And he says, let me remind myself who God is. What do I know is true about God? What is God like? What do I know is true about the character of God? And what has God done in my life? He stops long enough and he does this so often in the Psalms to give him the opportunity to remind himself about, how, about who God is. And so in the midst of our struggles, it's so important that we do that too because it's so easy to just feel completely overwhelmed and then to project a whole bunch of things onto God. God's forgotten about me. God doesn't care about me. God's not interested in me. God's punishing me because I've messed all these things up. To have all these perceptions about God that if we're honest, we know are not true. We need to stop, to pause to ask ourselves, what do I know of who God is? 
What do I know of God's character? When have I experienced God's love in the past? When have I experienced God's faithfulness in the past? I will choose to trust in your unfailing love. Is that a statement that we're willing to make, even when we don't have answers, even when things haven't changed? But I will trust. So the focus of this series, as I said, is to take these psalms and to be able to say, well, can this help us then to be able to pray and to use them as a model for prayer? And so before we do that specifically and talk about how we apply this, I want to make a couple of really important points. First of all, prayer is not a formula. Sometimes we can fall into the trap of thinking that prayer is kind of like this set of magic words, that if we say them the right way, then something magic is going to happen. Or other times, we can just think that prayer is a wish list. Where we're like, well, if I just give all my wish list to God, then somebody is going to magically make all of these things come true. Prayer is not supposed to be that. Prayer is supposed to be us having a conversation with God and being honest and real with him. But prayer also doesn't mean that we have all of the answers. Prayer doesn't necessarily mean that things change. And prayer isn't a failure if those things don't happen for us. Prayer is simply our opportunity to sit with God and do what David's done, to be able to say, God, here's what's going on at the moment and here's how I'm feeling. These are the things that I'm really, really wrestling with. These are the big questions that I'm seeking answers to, but ultimately help me to remember who you are. We bring our struggles to God. Say, this is what I'm struggling with at the moment. We bring our requests to God. This is what I want to see differently. But then ultimately we get to a place of trust. And often as we take time to pray, we do end up finding some version of answers in the midst of that. But something I'm continually challenged about as I pray is whether I'm seeking God or whether I am just seeking answers. Because I don't think God wants us to come to him just so that we can get answers. Am I wanting to be with God? Or am I just seeking what God can do for me? Am I wanting God's presence... P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E or am I wanting God's presence? P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S Am I wanting to just spend time being with God or am I wanting these things that God will do for me? So with all that in place, I want to give us an opportunity with our reflection time to be able to pray this psalm. And so you might want to, it's going to be up on the screen but it's also on your page. You might want to just use the words that are on the page. But if there is a how long for you, you might want to pray that into the midst of reading this psalm to yourself. And if there is an answer or something that you're struggling with specifically, you might also want to bring that into what you're praying. But as you do this, and as you get towards the end of the psalm, can we find our way to a place where it's not just about us finding answers, but it is about us being able to be reminded again about God's unfailing love about the way in which God feels about us, about the way in which God wants to spend time with us. So I'm going to give you a few minutes to be able to reflect on the psalm and then we'll come back and pray and we'll transition across the communion.
encourage you as you head into this week uh, to keep that somewhere and to use it throughout this week, even if it's just once later in the week to pull it out again and to pray it. But it may be something that you want to use every day this week to be able to once again come before God and say, what are your how longs? What are, you th- what are the things that you're struggling with and looking for answers for? But ultimately to bring yourself back to God's unfailing love in the midst of whatever it is that you're facing as you make your way through this week. Let's pray. God, we are so incredibly grateful that you allow us to come before you as we are. That we don't believe that you expect us to get ourselves together in order to be able to come to you. That we don't have to be perfect before we're accepted and loved, but that you reach out and do everything necessary for us through Jesus to give us the opportunity to come authentically and openly and vulnerably before you. With all of our struggles, with all of our brokenness, with all of the things that are just a part of our lives. We're so grateful for that, that we don't have to hide, we don't have to pretend. We can just be real with you. We thank you that the Psalms so beautifully model that for us. And we thank you for David's example of what it looks like to come and to pour ourselves out before you. Pray that as we head into this week, particularly for those of us who are struggling with specific things, that you would help us to make time to come to you and to pour ourselves out before you. To tell you how much we want answers. To ask you to enlighten us, to bring clarity about what it is that we need to do next. But in the midst of that, we're so grateful that ultimately we come back to your unfailing love, that we know that we can trust you because you love us. Even when our circumstances don't feel like it, even when our perceptions tell us different things, ultimately we know because of Jesus how much you love us. And so we can come before you and say, even in the midst of everything I'm struggling, I choose to trust so as we head into this week, that's my prayer is that you would help me to trust you more, that you would help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.